0: Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be with you again today. What a blessing it is that we have the opportunity to get together every day in this program and open up God's Word freely without any kind of legal restrictions or threats against our doing so, nobody telling us what we can teach and what we cannot teach, what we can say and what we can't say but we have the freedom in this country to be able to open up God's word and teach it as it is written. And we pray that as we study together each day on this program that you are learning and that you are gaining uh, knowledge and that you are growing spiritually because of this study. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. None of us need end up in eternal condemnation. God sent his son so that we don't have to do that, so that we can have the opportunity to be in heaven with God and Christ for all of eternity. What a wonderful opportunity that is. What a great blessing that is. And it's a blessing that anybody and everybody can take advantage of, but we've got to come to God his way. Now, studying his word is basic to that because it teaches us about faith. It teaches us about God and about Christ and what he's done for us. And it teaches us that we need to repent of our sins. We need to confess our faith in Christ. We need to surrender to him in baptism for the remission of our sins and then begin that new life in him, that life of being reborn, of moving toward heaven, And that's where every one of us should be moving toward every day of our lives. I've said many times in my teaching and preaching over many years, nothing matters except getting to heaven. It doesn't matter whether you become the most successful business person that has ever lived. It doesn't matter if when you die you leave trillions of dollars behind for your children. And their children. None of that matters if you don't get to heaven. All of that is empty as far as you are concerned if you don't get to heaven. Getting to heaven is all that matters. And you ought to be striving to live in such a way that you can help your family get to heaven as well. And other people around you that's what really matters. That's the direction in life that really counts. I hope that is the direction for your life, the direction that you're living. Let's get back to our study that we began last time talking about forgiveness and specifically God can forgive someone as bad as you. Now I've talked to and communicated with a number of our listeners over the years. But I don't know who's listening right now. You might listen to that particular statement, and you might be a little puzzled by my saying that. You might think, well, I'm not that bad. Well, if you're in sin, you are. And it doesn't matter what the sin might be. Now, I'm not saying that, that one sin is, is inconsequential uh, versus another sin. I'm simply saying that sin is sin. And the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And don't ever delude yourself into thinking that you don't sin because, again, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of us find ourselves guilty of sin. And we need forgiveness in order to be out from under the condemnation of that sin. Because again, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. So we don't want that condemnation. We want to be free from that condemnation. We want to be forgiven. We must be forgiven. God can forgive someone as bad as you. Now, there might be someone listening today or maybe a number of individuals who are really struggling emotionally because you believe that you've done something so terrible in your life that God surely cannot be willing to forgive you. Maybe you've just simply lived such a wicked life on such an ongoing basis that you feel that you're beyond forgiveness. And so you're wrestling with a feeling of hopeless despair. Well, let me assure you, God can forgive someone as bad as you, as bad as you, if you will come to him on his terms. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now we're not talking there about simply intellectual belief here. A lot of people will tell you that all you got to do is believe. Now there's there's there are things that go with believing. Belief is has a number of things that are inherent within that particular understanding. The belief that we're talking about there, that kind of faith is an obedient faith a repentant faith, and that has to be understood within that term believe or faith. In our last program, we read and looked at it in some depth, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, where the Apostle Paul tells us in those few verses that Christ died for the ungodly, for the ungodly, that he died for us while we were sinners, and that we were reconciled to God, brought back into a right relationship with him, at least given that opportunity, through the death of Christ when we were God's enemies. Now those are heavy terms. All of those terms refer to the fact that we sin, and when we're in sin, we're God's enemies. We're, our relationship with him is ruined. We're ungodly. Now, all of mankind was ungodly before Christ went to the cross. Now, they're ungodly in the sense that he is the ultimate sacrifice, and without him as that sacrifice, there is no forgiveness He has been that sacrifice. He has gone to the cross. Now again, the statement. Whatever you've done, however you've lived, you may be listening to this program with that remorse, thinking, I'm so bad, I I can't be forgiven, but you get some kind of solace or some kind of sense of, peace, perhaps, just by listening to a religious program, by to, to, to some Bible teaching, I want you to understand, you can get beyond that. God can forgive someone as bad as you. There's nothing that you could have done, there's no life that you could have lived that would have been so bad that the death of Christ on the cross could not cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Jesus did not come to call righteous people to repentance. There would be no need for them to repent if they were righteous. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. Even the apostle Paul writing inspired scripture, said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, there may be a lot of people who think they're not really sinners. What did Paul mean then? What did Jesus mean? What did the Apostle Paul mean when he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Every single human being who is capable of understanding the concept of sin, unrighteousness, ungodliness, is guilty of sin and needs forgiveness needs Christ to have gone to that cross on their behalf. Paul was writing as an inspired apostle of Jesus Christ, and yet he still refers to himself as the chief of sinners there. Now I suspect that a lot of that reference was back to his life before he became a Christian but I also suspect that he was still talking about the fact that he still sinned. He still made mistake, still stubbed his toe on occasion, made made mistakes, errors spiritually in his life, and still needed forgiveness on an ongoing basis. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, the Hebrews writer states, we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And that's for you, my friend. Now remember, there is nothing impossible for God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. And I think you believe that. And if you believe that, then you need to believe that God can forgive even you. As we just read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, Jesus tasted death for everyone. That's for you too. That includes you. He went to the cross on your behalf. You're one of those he died for. In Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 26, speaking of Jesus, the writer says, He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages, He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. That was a one time for all time sacrifice. It was that effective. It was that perfect. Jesus did not have to go to the cross over and over again. God did not have to send him to that cross on a repeated basis. Jesus was the perfect, the ultimate sacrifice, a one-time-for-all-time sacrifice, and that sacrifice is still effective today for you however bad you might be or however bad you might have been, however bad whatever thing you think that you're unforgivable over was Jesus went to that cross for you. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. He died to bear your sins, the guilt of your sins. Mine too, everybody else's around you, everybody who has ever lived before you and who are dead now, Everybody who will ever live after you until the Lord comes again and the final day of judgment. He died for all of our sins, but you need to make it personal. You need to recognize and admit to yourself that it was for you He died. When you make that personal application, you see, then it becomes more effective for you on an individual basis, in your mind, in your reality, in your heart, in your understanding. Jesus went to that cross for you. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 24, speaking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus bore our sins, your sins, my sins, that we, that includes you, as far as the opportunity is concerned, you have the opportunity to die to your sins and to live for righteousness because by Jesus' stripes you have the opportunity to be healed. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 5 and 6. Isaiah is the book in the Old Testament that contains the largest concentration of what we call messianic prophecies, and that is prophecies of the coming Savior, Jesus. When we zero in here in chapter 53, we look at verses 5 and 6, look at this description of what God sent Jesus to accomplish. He was wounded for our transgressions, your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, your peace, was upon him, and by his stripes we, you, are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. You have gone astray because of sin in your life. We have turned everyone, including you, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that is, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all, and that includes you. He died for your sins, whatever they were, whatever they were committed, however bad they were. He died for you so that you could be forgiven, have the opportunity to be forgiven, now again, you've got to come to him his way, but he went to that cross on your behalf. You need to recognize that, and you need to appreciate it. and you need to accept it. You need to, to accept that Jesus, or that, that God loved you so much, that He sent his Son to the cross on your behalf. John 3.16, that he loved you so much, he demonstrated his love toward you that Christ died for you, Romans 5 and verse 8. And though you were and may still be an enemy of God because of sin in your life, Romans 5 and verse 10, you can be reconciled to him, you can be Have your relationship with God restored because of the death of Jesus Christ on your behalf? When Jesus was with the apostles in the upper room on the night of his betrayal, they were partaking of the Passover meal together. And during that meal, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said this is my body which is broken for you and then he gave the cup to them the fruit of the vine and in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 he said this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins for the remission of sins this blood he this cup he says is my blood, represents my blood. He was about to go to the cross. The apostles didn't understand that at that point. But the next day he would be hanging on that cross. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that his blood would be shed. And in the Jewish culture of that day, the blood represented life. It was symbolic of life and when blood was shed that was symbolic of giving one's life or death in other words. And so he says this cup is my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He's telling them I'm going to die for you and as you remember me Through this supper, that is what we call the Lord's Supper, the bread represents my body broken for you. The nails would go through his hands and his feet. The spear would pierce into his side. His body would be broken into. And the cup, the fruit of the vine, would represent his blood shed on that cross for the remission of sins. Now, let me tell you something about that word remission, if I understand it correctly, as the meaning was in the original language, the Greek. And this is something you should take heart over. You think you're so bad that you can't be forgiven. You think you've been so bad that God would not forgive you, could not forgive you, would not want to forgive you. Jesus went to the cross for you. We've seen that in Scripture. And that word remission, if I understand it correctly in its deepest meaning, it certainly means forgiveness. But even more than that, it's the understanding that your sins are completely removed. Whatever guilt is there through Christ, you can have that guilt of that sin completely blotted out no more record of it, as though it had never taken place. God can forgive you to that degree. God is a God of love and mercy and grace. He's also a God of justice and judgment. But he gives you the opportunity through Christ To have your sins completely blotted out. And God says that he will remember them no more. Even your sins. As bad as you might have been. As bad as you might be right now. He can still forgive someone as bad as you. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Ask for that free Bible study that we're going to offer you. And we mean free. We'll take care of the postage even. And you can begin to study exactly how you can be forgiven, even someone as bad as you, of all of your sins. We'll continue this study next time. Contact us right away.